0: From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Let's talk the... Aston Martin, Autosport, BRDC Young Driver of the Year Award. It's that time of the year. I'm here with two judges, one winner, one tame racing driver, and one chief editor, which makes it sound like I'm here with far more people than I really am. First of all, our chief editor, Kevin Turner. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. Good to have you here at Silverstone, at the museum, for a change.
1: Yes, Silverstone Museum have very kindly let us have their reading room, which means there are many books around us, so if uh, if my focus wanders... Uh, during the course of this podcast, that'll be why. I've just picked up a book and started started reading.
0: And former winner, and these days judge Alexander Sims. Welcome back.
2: Thank you very much. Great to be here.
0: Good to have you back on the podcast. You done with travelling and things like that this year, before Christmas and New Year?
2: Almost. Got one, one more trip. Um, and then, yeah, that's it for the New Year, uh, or until the New Year, going back to Daytona. So I got tested in, in a few days' time, and then, yeah, back in middle of January for the 24 hours.
0: And 24's all locked in for your, your season next year.
2: Yep, starting 24 with the 24 at Daytona. Um, that will probably be the only 24 that I do during the year. But um, try and get 24. Can I get that in another sentence? I don't know if I can. Too. No. <laughs> that anyway, sounds, that um, sounds to
1: me like you really want to do the TCV
2: 24 hours. Another 24 so would be great. To, yeah. net, uh, another to be fair, really, yeah. the Nurburgring 24 clashes with, uh, with Detroit at IMSA. So I am looking for another 24 hour race to do we'll see in, what we can in 2024. Do. Um, but no looking forward to it full IMSA season again in GTD Pro with Corvette um, which will be a first for me with them for to do a full season so yep cracking team cool line up um, I don't actually know whether the lineup has been announced or not I don't okay. think well, maybe, it has maybe we so won't we'll move say on then. but um, yeah no really looking forward
0: to it this time last year or maybe January last, earlier this year you were being pretty cagey and cards close to your chest and saying well we'll see we'll see what 23 brings and you ended up walking away as a champion so congratulations
2: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a very strange year, to be honest. Um, still don't quite know how we won the championship um, in some ways, but we had a decent year. Um, and, and yeah, to be able to call myself IMSA champion outright seems uh, seems pretty cool.
0: Kevin, okay, might have to change the one word description that we give Alexander in the press release that comes out, which I noticed last year we said Formula E winner. Which I think is difficult with someone like Alexander, whose career has been long and multiple. Series and and many strings to his bow, and it, it's impossible uh, to nail him down. But maybe we'll change that when we say him a champion. Well,
1: next we year. we could start calling him veteran, but drivers don't like being called veteran yeah, because it makes them sound they. old. So I think for now, like, him's <laughs> a champion sounds pretty pretty cool. He hasn't say. got any grey
0: hair yet, so he can't, can't no, call him veteran.
1: He, he looks very young today, unlike you and I. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone <laughs> early on the age
0: thing. We've this, gone early. This, this uh, it's it's hey, it's this time of the year we're talking about the young driver of the year. Award And so as we head into, uh, well, firstly, it's pretty cold at the moment. Uh, I drove up through the snow this morning uh, from the south coast, which disappeared by about Southampton, disappointingly. Um, But this weekend is the Autosport Awards, very swanky, big gala event of the motorsport calendar uh, in three days time. And that always finishes with the uh, Aston Martin Autosport BIDC Young Driver of the Year Award and once again we're back doing it again this year very important thing for young drivers.
1: Oh well we like to think so yeah it's a 200,000 pound prize for the winner formula 1 test with Aston Martin I guess that's the that's the thing that young drivers tend to lock onto you know it's especially you know the finalists this year um, have done you know the highest that they've got so far is is F3 so there's quite a big gap between F3 and F1 machinery uh, and it's it's really cool to give you know give the winner their first their first day in an F1 car. Um, so that's the prize they often they often lock on to yeah. but they're in the midst of, of waiting to see we had the tests in Motorsport Vision, Formula 2 car Beach Dean, uh, Motorsport Aston Martin GT3 and the United Allsports Ligier LMP3 uh, here at Silverstone uh, just over a month ago uh, so they've been waiting that long uh, to find out who the winner is so yeah I do feel sorry for them at, at this point but obviously it'll all for one of them at least it will all suddenly be fantastic on Sunday night
0: Now, we just saw our most recent winner win in Macau. And interestingly, last year, he was the only one in it for the first time. Am I right in saying that? So Luke, all the others, I think, had been in the awards previously. So it's not as if it's a thing that you come to, you got one crack at it, one shot at it. Um, This is, you know, you can have multiple goes at this. You can, and we have seen people win it on the sort of second, or I think some
1: one person actually won it on their third third go but but it depends where you are in your careers to when you get picked out. Obviously, we pick the four it used to be six it 's now four um, where they are in their careers, how do we pick it on the season they 've just done. Um, so this year for example we had you know Taylor Barnard who was 10th in FIA Formula 3 as a rookie which is the sort of highest point you can go and still be eligible we had Arvid uh, Lindblad um, who'd been doing uh, his stuff in Italian F4 and Euro 4 and then we had the two GB3 front runners, Joseph Lokan, and Callum uh, Voisin um, and some of those drivers will be eligible again next year and some of them won't be um, but this is a kind of a clean slate you, when you come to the test it's, everyone's back to zero we take into account experience because obviously if you 've been racing an f3 car all year that gives you probably a better preparation for the f2 car than if you've been driving Formula four for example so we do try and take that into account but ultimately you know it's the stopwatch and performance over the two days that you know that that uh, makes the decision for us or helps inform our decision should I say absolutely
0: so uh, uh, Luke this time last year was our winner. So Luke Browning was our winner last year. So you're doing it for the going through it for the first time. But Luke, very well known to many readers and listeners of Autosport magazine and Autosport.com as well, and those that follow, you know, British motorsport things like the BRDC Superstars, all these programs, very important to bring people through. Um, Alexander, you uh, have two perspectives on this award as a winner and now judge. Uh, what's more, well, I say more nerve-wracking, more nerve-wracking it's funny if you're going to win the thing, uh, but what's uh, what's a more difficult role to uh, to take part in it or to judge these youngsters?
2: Um, honestly, it's, it's, it was a close call when I was doing the reference laps in the LMP3 car as a judge a few years back. That was really touch and go, which was more nerve-wracking. Nowadays, the, I'm not doing those reference laps, then, then it was definitely uh, when I was taking part in the award. It's a very nice position to be in as a judge, to be involved in the award, but not have the The pressure associated with it but but yeah I I remember back to 2008 when I was in the award um, phenomenal experience I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have done at the time because you know that you're there focused on performance and trying to do your job Um, but yeah looking back it was it was an amazing experience and I I do remember that Sunday building up through the day the the, yeah the nerves and just your, your thoughts constantly on it as much as I tried to do other stuff during the day. I remember I was, it was one of my grandparents' birthday, so we were down, down celebrating that. But frankly, I, I didn't really care too much about it. I was just thinking about the awards in the evening and remember the journey into London and sitting through the, all the awards and um, waiting for for the last one of the night, which I think is, is done fantastically through the evening. You know, it's really building up, building up, building up for the auto for the Young Driver Award. Um, whilst you've got all the f one drivers and rally drivers and everyone around you know there's a bizarre sensation of you know anticipation for the young driver award when actually it's sort of like right, get these f1 awards out of the way and it's the young driver award that we're building up to is slightly odd but um but fantastic well, um, but yeah a, of course last year we had four time world champion Sebastian
1: Vettel. Help give out the award to mm-hmm. to Luke Browning, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of cool, you know. And he actually, I understand, he actually asked to be involved because he thought this is, a, you know, it's easy to take it for granted. Other countries don't have this sort of thing, and he thought this is this is cool. And he was there anyway, else he's retiring, and he and he wanted you know, he was asking questions. He wanted to know he wanted to know more about it, which I thought was was pretty interesting. But when uh, in two thousand eight, when you were sitting there, did you how well did you think you did? You did? Did you kind of think you had a chance, or were you just like I had no idea? What, what was your sort of?
2: attitude going into it well in the award itself and and this is something that i look back on and and i've changed a little bit in myself but i was i very much kept myself to myself during the the award process at snetterton um i remember adam christodoulou wanting to you know talk about how the run had gone and try and get a feeling on what lap times had been done and i was like nope not talking sorry i'm doing my own thing um and so as much as I didn't want to give anything away, I genuinely had no idea what other people had done either. Um, and so going into the awards night, I felt like I'd done a reasonable job, but I had no understanding that I was going to be the winner at all. There was massive, massive anticipation of what was going to happen. And so the relief that, you know, gushed out of me when, uh, when they announced my name was just crazy. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was a, uh, Moment of shock, real it, shock. It's probably worth actually underlining to people that don't know, we
1: don't give them the times. Uh, and that's always been the case for as long as I've known it. So they have they can see obviously their own times and they're, they're given... So in the in the Ligier and the Aston Martin as it is now, it was... It was an Aston Martin GT4 and a DTM Mercedes, I think, when Alexander did it. But so they've got benchmark drivers that can, you know, you you know their times and they will help you and data and all that sort of stuff. But with the F2 cars, it's kind of really racing against your own data. We do give them the most relevant data we can from a previous year. But obviously you get wind direction change, track conditions change, you know, it's... It's it's no more than I would have thought a rough guide once they've got their heads around driving the car. So it's very much driving sort of blind. Really, you have to really trust what you're what you're doing. It's not like you can come in and go. Oh, such and such has gone a tenth quicker than me. I need to go and find another tenth. You, you just have to go and try and do the best job you can. Which is some of the drivers really find that
0: a difficult mental test because it's it's probably unique in motorsport. I would think. Yeah, there's, you're always benchmarked against, whether it's your teammate or yourself or or or, or, uh, or anything really, whether that's on the sim or whatever. But it's not just about the lap times. What what are, what are the various things that you're looking for in the next superstar, uh, apart from just the raw speed?
2: Well, I think the, the nature of the, the, the award process with the three different cars um, means that we can judge sort of adaptability um, from a driver to different, not only conditions on track, as it's over two days, so we quite often have um, different weather conditions uh, at the end of October in in lovely sunny Silverstone. Um, but yeah, jumping between two cars, three cars, it, it's tough for these young drivers who haven't got much experience in, in them to to adapt. Um, then we have fitness tests, uh, which are you know ever more and more important in in the crazy. Demands of F1 cars nowadays that the G forces they're pulling. Um, You know, fitness is is such a key point from a driver's point of view. I think it quite often goes under the radar in terms of what the driver goes through in the car because you just see the helmet when you're watching from the outside, but the the forces their bodies are going through is is mad. Um, We have a fantastic simulator assessment um, with the Mercedes F1 team that um, gives a really good insight into, again, the growing or very, very key. Aspect of of a driver's input into a into a Formula One team or any professional racing environment on the simulator nowadays, um, and so yeah, there's there's a really good aspect of different things. Have I forgotten anything? Kevin? Well, no, uh, I think that's, um, that's
1: a lot of the big. I mean, I would also say like how someone progresses across the two days. Sometimes, especially if they're coming in from a lower level, like you wouldn't expect someone coming out of Formula Four to suddenly go out there and bang in a time in the first session of the F two car. Like that would be quite something. I'm not saying it would never happen, but you know we wouldn't necessarily expect that. Um, so, the, yeah, that's that, that's a key a key point. And also how they interact with the teams and the engineers and their feedback and, you know, some – or even how prepared they are. You know, some some of the finalists rock up and they've spoken to former winners or former finalists or people that have driven the cars and the t- – you know, they come in and they know – they've treated it like a professional job, like just for the two days. And then you get others who sort of rock up and go, which car am I in? You know, <laughs> that's a bit of an exaggeration. Like The, the overall trend has been towards – being people being better prepared, like Alexander was kind of a standout, partly because he seemed better prepared than a, than the finalists he was against. But I'd say the average finalist has got better if you see what I mean over time on that. So there's lots of there's lots of factors, like Alexander says, but I do think you know, lap time is what what we're after really, um, and that's called, of course wet or dry. Uh, it is quite often wet for at least one of the days at Silverstone in October people
0: won't be surprised to hear in terms of bringing through young talent i think the last time i think i spoke to we spoke to Callum over the summer i think as part of the BIDC superstars thing and i said uh, apart from money what do young drivers need and he went yeah well money uh, but apart from money of which we do we do help with that what do what do young people who want to progress in motorsport need and
2: how does this kind of award help them contacts Is probably something that uh, we as a group of judges, uh, I mean, honestly, it's probably slightly underutilized quite a lot of the time, but, you know, you've got a lot of people from different parts of motorsport uh, in the judges' room. Um, And so we always encourage the young drivers, you know, to to lean on us for help if they they need it at any point in their career. And that was something that I remember doing. Um, You know, I continued on my single-seater path for a couple of years past winning the award, but realized that you know frankly that was probably the end of the road for me uh funding wise and single seaters and and talent um but then through that time I'd kept in touch with some of the judges tried to keep a good relationship and then it was like right okay I need to actually find a different Path rather than f1 and so mark williams having been head of engineering at mclaren i spoke to him and you know he put me in touch with the mclaren gt project that was just starting out and you know hey presto that, that, thankfully that that route opened up for me so um certainly that um just a general education again from our experience and, and the people we can put the, the the young drivers in touch with um to various professionals to give them the education that they that, that can help them Um, Whether it's fitness based, whether it's, you know, engineering side of things, Um, pure driving side, you know, we've got this year, what is it for, race drivers, Johnny, Dario, uh, Darren and myself, that is, isn't it? have I left a run out there I feel <laughs> terrible because the, the, also the judges change slightly each year uh, Jason has been a judge but wasn't this year well Andrew Kakoddy um, of course but he's not really and there. Andrew wasn't there he was, yeah, he was he ill was, wasn't he, he so was, uh, yes yeah, yeah. Um, well perhaps
1: we should we should probably name the judges actually shouldn't we should we just
2: yeah, so, go mean, through them this year and I'll yeah.
1: pick up on something that Alexander said there as well so Derek Warwick is our
2: esteemed and mighty uh, Derek. Leader. oh my god uh, <laughs> Derek <laughs> I mean, drove as well didn't he uh, oh, he's, my he's yeah. oh my goodness oh yeah. my god I hope Derek doesn't listen to this I'm so sorry Sorry. I'm going
1: to take a sound bite and send it to him. That's oh one. my God, um, I'm going to get killed. Uh, so yeah, Dario Franchitti, Darren Turner, Andrew Cagotti, Alexander Sims, Mark Williams, Lena Gade, you know, uh Le Mans winning engineer, Ian Titchmarsh, uh, myself, and uh, and Johnny Herbert was our guest judge this year. So yeah, to, to sort of follow on from what Alexander's saying, it does surprise you sometimes how, and it's not just the winners as well, we we say this to all the finalists, that like once you've been through it and you've got the contacts and we know you and you know us, pick up the phone if you need something. Sometimes it could be something that we, ha- I won't name names it's not fair, but there have been former finalists and winners who have maybe got a bit of a problem with a team in the championship or, and they've got, they might have their sort of entourage whether they're in a, a young driver programme or just their family that's trying to fund them through and sometimes it's difficult to see the wood for the trees and uh I think the Sometimes you need an independent voice just to go, I think this is happening or I'm not comfortable with this. And if you, you know, Derek always makes himself available, but he's not, yeah, he's not the only judge you know, that you can give a shout to. And just talk it through. Um, and I think that that's actually probably, I think Alexander's right, it's underutilised, probably underrealized by some of the, the finalists. That It's ongoing. Like Once you've been a finalist, that's not it. You know, we do try and, and, and maintain relationships with them and
2: encourage them to, to do so with us as well.
0: Have any drivers done that to you in the past?
2: Um, i would say twice i have been involved um with with a with a driver past the award where i've been trying to put them in touch with people that i know bmw being one of them back in my BMw days to, to get on the young BMw young driver program um, unfortunately that didn't work out but you know fair enough for them reaching out to me um and i and i helped as i could but yeah, as they say, out of four drivers each year, and I've done it, what, five, six, seven years? I can't remember now, six years as a judge. Yeah, you're talking about 20, 24 drivers. I'm
0: surprised more uh, don't, because it's yeah. such a high pressure, high stress, uh, and you forget how young these... I i was an idiot at 17. I mean, I was an idiot at 25, and it's like, you know, to have someone to reach out to and say, have you got any advice on this. I mean, it is quite hard when you're a little bit younger as well and you're expected to know it all and have the whole package and have your, you know, your shit together. And you haven't. I think that's part of the
1: problem though is that they probably are, you don't know what you don't know, do you? Sort of thing. So there have been times in the last few years where like driver, offers of a seat have come out of being a finalist Mm -hmm. and it's not, okay, so I'm not saying they should always take up every offer. That would obviously be ridiculous. But sometimes there's a, yeah, that people don't know what decision is necessarily best for them and sometimes if they're being not necessarily mismanaged but managed by people who don't understand the sport as well and they make a decision and we all look around the room and go, well, that was a bit strange. You know, we could have helped out there. Um, but yeah, I guess that's just a gradual chipping away of... of you know, and Some people don't realise it until year la- years later and go, oh yeah, I should have done that. But I mean, that's true of life, isn't it? You can, you're never going to get
2: it right every time. But yes. yeah, I was thinking I, I can remember one scenario that I had actually the year after... I think it was the year or two years after I won the award um, struggling in qualifying in Formula 3 but had an you know had maintained conversation with, with Mark Williams again just you know by chance um, talking about him again but said my issues that I'd had in qualifying and yet he came up with a, a very sensible suggestion of just you know as an as an outsider looking and he was like oh why don't you just tweak the front pressures versus the rear pressures because I had an issue with warm up and not being able to switch the tyres on on the one quality lap to have someone with such a experience level suggest something so simple was quite a you know breath of fresh air but also you know I went back to my f3 team and they're like yep fair enough actually yeah we we could try that and we tried it and you know it's it's nice to be able to to um yeah lean on such experienced people so uh, any finalists future past present please do please do lean on us because we're more than happy to help We've talked about the benefits
1: of the award and what you can get out, and we haven't even asked Alexander about the one that they all talk about, which is the F1 test. Well, let's, so we should let's probably talk get on about that. Because that. <laughs> that, is,
0: that is the big sexy thing in the room, isn't it, that many people – and, you know, because it's not the right path for so many young drivers, and yet so many young drivers probably do feel like they should say, I want to be in Formula One one day. Like, there is a bit of pressure to say that, um, especially if they're in single-seaters. But let's talk about that, that test, because that is the big – Sexy thing that people latch on to, because it's cool. Um, and Luke just did, as you were saying. Yeah, so now... And can uh, we talk about it? Yeah, I think we, okay. can, I think
1: we, can, we can talk about <coughs> it. I mean, I, I, we'll perhaps save another... Unfortunately, Luke couldn't be here today, because he's ill. So hope you get better soon, uh, Luke. Otherwise, you'd be joining us and telling us about it. But I think he's... You, you quite often see, when the F1 team rock up in the morning that they're kind of like, oh, we kind of just want to get through the day without anything too terrible happening. It's, you know, 16, 17, 18 year eighteen-year-old sometimes, you know, they just want to get through the day. And then during the course of the day, they realise there's a reason why this driver won the award. Right. and they 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 switch almost into race mode. So by the end of the day, they're like, "Well, what did you think of this? What do you think of that setup change?" Let's look at the data. You know, they they are getting something out of the out of the, the the test as well, and that's really cool to see. You go, know, you've seen it a few times now of, of this kind of penny dropping. That oh, it's not just any old yeah you know, any young driver that we've thrown in. Like they've they got there for a reason. Luke did a, a brilliant job. Yeah, we don't look at lap times, but obviously we do. And he was within about a second, I think, at the fastest lap for the twenty twenty one British Grand Prix, which I think is pretty impressive because it was twenty one car. Um, okay, so tyres, conditions, blah blah blah. But I mean, I think that shows that he was driving no, it. properly. It was
2: impressive. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was impressive. Well, we, there were certain points on the track where you listen out to see where they're lifting, and and he was he was nailed. So that was that was good. But yeah, so nowadays we do that. We try and do the test it's kind of day one of the three day thing so the finalists for that year can watch and it's kind of a nice thing um, if they're available but I think when you did it Alexander it was uh, when whenever McLaren could sort of fit it in wasn't it um good question didn't you do it on the same the same week as Dean Stoneman no Dean uh, Dean Smith Smith, yeah. yeah you did it
2: I can't actually remember whether the other finalists were there or not for that year um It was harder to do back in the day because yeah, we weren't pitted in the in what are now the new pits that Mm. are actually not that new anymore. But um, yeah, it was was over on the national paddock rather than the wing, wasn't it? Yeah, but I was uh, the the F one car was actually over at like the small little stone garage. uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, So it wasn't fully connected. So anyway, um, yeah, the the F one test. I mean, oh my god, what a what an experience for young driver. And for me, looking back, it was the only time I drove an F1 car, um, a current F1 car actually. But um, you don't know that at the time. So to get that experience is amazing. You're obviously at that point in time, you're hoping that you can go on to to drive F1 cars full time at some point. But yeah, that didn't transpire for me. And so to now be able to look back on it and think, you know, I've, I've driven a, a race car that very, very few people in the world will have a, any Understanding of how fast it might be—it's—it's it's pretty cool. So, what was the McLaren they wheeled out for you? The 08 McLaren. Um, the 08. So I drove it McLaren's in, in two thousand and ten. One
1: car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
2: guess so. Yeah, and uh, I
1: mean that not as a dig, by the way. I yeah, no, no, no. want to see McLaren back at the front. Yeah. Just that's a fact.
2: Yeah, um, a pretty special car to drive as well. I mean, that's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, it. it absolutely was i don't think if i'd have driven the 2009 mclaren then i'd have been disappointed you know frankly <laughs> any f1 car as as a driver who'd only had f3 experience up to that point it was insane um but it was a beautiful car to drive so refined so fast so capable um it was amazing um and yeah to be fair i think it it really was the right timing for me. I'd done two years in Formula 3, was ready to move to the next step as such in terms of having a good amount of experience, you know, and I, I felt like I jumped in and was at one with things. Obviously, it felt incredibly fast, but at the same time, Formula 1 cars, as I say, as I mentioned, they're so refined that you don't have any, you know, vibrations or weird feelings, sensations that you've got to adjust to. It's like, right, I know what I'm doing. I'm just going a heck of a lot faster than I've gone before but it all makes sense um, and, and yeah you know I definitely wouldn't have been performing at the same level as, as Luke this year but I can relate to you know Luke jumping into something as as fast as an F1 car without F1 experience but still you know adapting to it relatively quickly because he's a phenomenal race driver um, and yeah getting on with the job and, and doing doing amazingly
1: that refinement thing comes out quite often. I think people look because it is such a big, powerful beast in F one car. They think it's going to be like really heavy to drive and awkward or whatever. And look, it's got power steering, so it's all it's all fine tuned. So it rides the bumps better than an F three, which you would think so because there's 135 million dollars a year being spent on these things, right? <laughs> so the F one cars are just better at everything. Um, so, the first thing is, oh my God, it's fast in a straight line. But racing drivers get their head around that very quickly. Like on the outlap, first flying lap, it's like, right, it just goes this fast down the straight. And quite often the braking points aren't that far different because the brakes and the downforce is so much that although you arrive faster, you can carry more speed in anyway. So, they quite oh, quickly. It's, it's. I think the braking and the downforce takes a bit more used, getting used to, probably than just the straight line speed. But yeah, Luke in particular. I mean, I say hopefully we'll talk to him in a, you know, a, f- a few weeks' time. But he 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 really revelled in the high speed aero. Uh, I mean, that, the twenty twenty one cars are quicker than the current F one cars as well. Let's remember. So it's. It's a couple of years old, but it is you know, the, the fastest F1 cars of all time in 2020 and the 2021 cars were only tweaked a little bit. So we're talking some, you know, okay, they wouldn't have had it turned up to 11, would they, on the dials and stuff, but still pretty pretty impressive to to hear, see, watch and presumably drive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of the, the points of it, in terms of what they, the winners get out of it, it's more than something that is just a... Uh a nice thing to have on the CV a glory run if you like for a day what are the things that it does to their career and their learning as a young driver to go in something so different to what they were racing in
2: well I guess the difficulty is at the time you don't know what it's going to lead to for me it didn't really you know lead to anything beyond uh, Formula 3 that I was in at the time um in terms of an opportunity in F1, but, you know, it, exp- it exposes you to an F1 team. Um, certainly the, the guys at Aston Martin were incredibly impressed with Luke, um, but he's got his tie up with, with Williams um, this year. So uh, that's that's um, maybe a little bit of a, a shame for them. But I mean, it, it also makes them realise, you know, these, these kids are, are blooming good. And um, to be able to be involved with a young driver earlier in their career and get a snippet of, of how they can drive it can, can only be helpful for an F1 team um, but yeah we're talking about it sorry from the driver's point of view <laughs> um, I think yeah to, to experience the level of an F1 team that you get to work with during a day um, it is helpful to be exposed to that get an understanding of what the cars are like give you some direction as a driver of, of what to focus on um, a little bit more uh, in your junior career as you, as you work your way through the, the junior ranks um, and yeah I mean to, to give someone a snippet of you know give someone a taste of what it could be it, 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 it stems that hunger even more you know to be like wow that I want to do that full time that is awesome do you wake up the next um, day thinking what just happened <laughs> yeah i, I I mean, I was sort of on that trajectory and had that in my mind the whole time, and I'd say I was, I was taking it pretty seriously at that point already. But I think there probably is the potential if someone is—I have no idea—you know, all six different ways of drivers being racers. But some people will probably rely more on just the natural ability um, and maybe take a few things for granted. And I think that's probably a good scenario to, to for a driver like that to be like. Whoa! Okay, this is this is proper, and I've actually got to work at it in these few ways that that uh, I need to up my game, whether it be fitness or engineering understanding or whatever. Um, it's it's a great yeah carrot. I think also that occasionally there is a direct link.
1: So, for example, Lando Norris, within a few yep. months of, of of doing the the award tests, and before he'd even had his prize drive, like he was a simulator driver at McLaren. And he's still there. <laughs> the only thing he hasn't done there is wanna win a race here, which I think, you know, is not not not, not his fault. Hopefully it will it will come soon. Uh, and the, but I think more often it's probably an indirect benefit, isn't it? So it's like things like Alexander saying, like the realisation or even other people realising that you're good. You know, if you stood up in front of, you know, a room full of motorsport people, you never know which one of those might be at a team that you could drive for in future. And they you know, they're gonna have lots of drivers sort of coming and going and ringing or whatever um, but that might just help the name stick or you might be able to get a contact and like if if like what, ring, you'd ring up Derek Warwick, wouldn't you and go I've got this meeting with the team can you give me some tips or come along if it's at a Grand Prix and it just um, the moment doesn't it the, the moment that that happens you go oh okay it's just that little bit more you're taken a bit more seriously as well and you probably take yourself a bit more seriously so I think it's you know the kudos of winning the award is kind of it's a bit of a cliche but I think it's that probably has some sort of value
0: as well, depending on what your career trajectory is already. Because the drivers are in this very small window of opportunity in their career. It's not going to last forever. Now, Luke is 22 years old in January. He just won Macau and he started on pole, I think, but he certainly, he certainly managed to restart um, after that horrific red flag. And, um, you know, the drives are so mature. We see drivers coming into Formula One now and, They're so well-prepared. They're so mature beyond their years. They're not making rookie mistakes in their first year.
1: I I don't think people in the wider world appreciate how good a modern professional racing driver is. And I don't just mean... Formula One, like the level is incredible, you know, you can't, if you would to say Lewis Hamilton and Max just happened to just drop them into lots of other categories, they're not just going to smoke everyone and make them all look like Billys, because they are 98% towards being an F1 driver that didn't make it or got there and then came out of it, and they're then specialising in that thing, so it's not like back in, you know, oh yeah, Jim Clark used to win in everything, it's, but he was against the same people. He could beat them in an F1. Could beat the same drivers in a GT car. Now he'd be jumping in into a GT, and you'd get a Jim Clark light. But who's doing it all the time? Uh, so the level, you know, we're doing our top fifty drivers at the moment, which always gets us big stick during the year. Um, but seriously, it is it's partly to try and show the variety and the ability in so many different championships around the world. There'll be racing drivers that a lot of people won't have heard of, who never get any press, who will be absolutely mega if you saw them in something. Uh, and that's that's why you know the level is so so high in the award, and why that you know you have to we we try and help the winners as much as we can because it's such a competitive environment.
0: And let's talk a little bit about that career path, if if we can, because. We always mention the previous winners. And we say, you know, uh, Jensen Button and, and Dario and Alexander Sims. And look at all these names that I have gone I don't think they say Alexander Sims very often. <laughs> Let's look no. at all these names that have gone on to, um, you know, to have have a full career in motorsport. And yeah, I mentioned it a little while ago, actually, for young drivers. There's a, if you, Especially if you're racing in single seat, there's a real pressure to say, I want to race in F1. Because if you don't say that, there's a queue of people behind you that will say that. But in terms of um, young driver careers and where their careers can go... Talk to us a little bit about the various things that, that the, 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 the these awards and that the Young Driver programmes can do for you, because let's face it, you probably won't be racing a Formula One car. So how can it help you have a, have a career in professional motorsport?
2: Winning the award gave me a sense of the realisation that if I continued to work hard, there was a recognition from others experienced within motorsport that I had something good to offer and that, you know, it was a a genuine reality, I guess, that that I could make something happen to be a professional racing driver. Um, that, that was my overriding, I guess, feeling of achievement from winning the award was like, okay, I, I, all the names that are on this trophy, I think like 97% of them are professional racing drivers or have been professional racing drivers. My name's in that mix now. Let's continue to work hard. But I have a bit more belief in myself that, you know, I've I've got a future in motorsport. Because at that time, I'd done two seasons of Formula Renault, you know, it was the first ish rung on the ladder in in car racing. And if you feel quite a long way away from a Mercedes, BMW, Aston Martin, General Motors, whoever it is paying you to drive their race cars, you know, you're, you're still a young driver as it were. So um that was probably the actual most powerful thing for, for me um, from winning the award. Kevin? Well, I've taken myself down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I can't yeah, no, remember I was, where, my, I just, where my thought process is Well, we've go. had
1: 33 winners of the award up to now. Uh, oh. and, and, you know, so I guess the names that always get weird out of the F1
0: names. The Coultards yeah, and Landos. and uh, That's and, and, it, and, and, yeah. But we've had three Lewis's. world champions.
1: We've had Jensen Barton in Formula 1, Anthony Davison, World Endurance Champion, uh, and thanks to Jake Dennis winning the Formula E title. So there' are three, three world titles. Multiple, I mean, Dario contributes the IndyCar element to the stats, uh, Dario Frankitti, but we've also got, you know, Le Mans class winners, DTM champions, uh, or multiple sort of GT formulary e, you know. Obviously now, Alexander has contributed the IMSA title, which I don't think we had before. Actually, so that's a new one to have. Brilliant! To the list. So, thank you very much for that, <laughs> Alexander. That's, uh, that's good. Um, you know, multiple Macau winners. So, you know, obviously Luke's just added to that, but Dan Tickton won it twice. Um, so, yeah, most of the drivers are, you know, they're, they're, they are pro- they're proper drivers. Like to, you know, uh, I don't want to obviously it sounds like we're praising our own award, but I do think it kind of deserves it. Really, like the, the the list of winners is. There aren't many British drivers of the last 30 years that have won stuff that haven't either won it or been a finalist. The obvious exception, which is very irritating, is Lewis Hamilton. And that was because McLaren decided that they didn't want to be accused of you know, vested interest because they were supporting his career. And at that point, they were the partner with the award. So they, they made him be ineligible so he's the he's the obvious name missing from the list for understandable reasons but you know the, the rest of them it's you know, it's 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 a good list and i think when i i had the pleasure of interviewing the four finalists this year last week because we were doing a bit of pre Yeah, I do feel sorry for them because they're all quite nervous. And at least one of them said, "I just I can't really focus on anything else." Uh, And it's a shame because it's quite a nice evening. But I don't think they can enjoy it. You have to come back as a winner, don't you, later on, Alexander, and enjoy it that way. Um, And but uh, but they pretty much all said, you know, when we said when I said, "Oh, what does it mean to you?" And obviously they say the F one test and whatever is is one. But the other thing they say is like just joining the list of drivers. Like it just means you get that it's it's that gets taken seriously um they're very aware of the names yeah you because know, most racing drivers i think it's fair to say they don't really know much about the history of the sport that's not their thing that's left to the journos right or racing drivers once they're older so i wouldn't expect them to know anything about sterling moss but they know these drivers because they're only just a few years ahead and they can see them winning things they can see them being professional drivers and they go i'm not i'm that little bit closer if i'm on that list and and that is mm-hmm. that's quite
0: mm-hmm. cool to see honestly not long to wait for those uh, winners now, care before it is announced. And, of course, uh, our listeners can pick up Autosport magazine every Thursday. All the details on autosport.com. Uh, the awards are in just a couple of days' time on Sunday nights at our big gala uh, dinner when all the tension will finally be over. Yeah, and then I get the job of having to escort the youngest
1: people out of the room, <coughs> uh, who are usually the young finalists as well, because they won't open the bar until they're out of the room.
0: That's a truth. The hardest one was Lando because I think
1: he was 16 when he won it, maybe 17. And he was great. Lando was very well behaved. He, you know, knew what he was doing. He was a bit taken aback because he was like, "Oh, someone else thinks I'm good." And yes, Lando, you're you're good. Don't yeah. worry about it. But it was trying to get him out of the room. I have said this before. Yeah, it was an absolute nightmare. You know, everyone wanted to come and say, uh, "Everyone wants to talk to congratulate." Can you make? Can you congratulate him out of the room <laughs> because you've got a thousand people whatever it was waiting for the bar to open? But uh, yes. yeah, no, it's that. It, what it is? Yeah, what it is? They will not open yeah, the bar. Seventeen-year-old
0: oh, oh, in the room. Um, so
1: if you're at the bar and getting annoyed. <laughs> Don't just get annoyed. Come and help me get the young drivers out of the room. That would, uh, unless you're drunk already, in which case, maybe just leave it to me. It's yes,
0: right. <laughs> absolutely. Pick them up and make Uh Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening to this one. You can follow along on Sunday night on our socials as we'll be uh, letting you know all about that online. And of course, as always, on autosport.com and the mag out every Thursday. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.